the podcast from Belmont Chapel in Exeter, sharing the story, living the life. For more information, go to belmontchapel.org.uk. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Hello. My name is Simon. It's a, a pleasure to be with you this morning. Now, my passage had been to take us through John chapter 2, verses 13 to 25. In it, Jesus cleanses the temple. It's a great display of passion and zeal. He clears the temple, driving out people and animals, scattering the coins and overturning the tables. I think you might agree with me. Today isn't a day for scattering the coins and overturning the tables. But it is here in this scene that Jesus speaks of God using the intimate language of Father, and he speaks of the temple, the place of worship, as God's house. And that's what's led me to a different text uh, this morning. We're going to take a look together at John chapter 14 and verses 1 to 7. Familiar words and words often used at someone's passing, at a funeral, or at a thanksgiving. This is Jesus speaking not to great crowds, but to a handful of people, to friends. If you like... This is Jesus speaking with a hand on the shoulder and a warm look in the eyes. Jesus speaking to friends who've just experienced a shock to their sense of permanence. So let's pray and then we'll read from John uh, chapter 14 uh, this morning. Please join me in prayer. Father, we do thank you that we can gather together this morning. It's an encouragement to be together. But we thank you even more that as we gather in the name of the Lord Jesus, you are present amongst us. So we do pray as we open your word. Speak to us afresh. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus, speaking to friends who've experienced a shock to their sense of permanence, says this, and he says it to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Well, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you'll know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Well, in amongst the envelopes, uh, the junk mail, the bills, all the random stuff that comes through your door was a different kind of envelope. My housemates have found it, and it now sat on the kitchen table, stamped, addressed, the, the usual stuff. But this was different. This envelope was made of that slightly thicker, luxurious paper. Do you know the type I mean? You, kind of, you pick up the envelope, you just think, oh, this is quality, this is good stuff. And it was addressed, it was addressed to Simon Richards, Esquire. And more excitingly still, in the top right-hand corner was a Buckingham Palace postmark and the stamp of Queen Elizabeth II on the front. Let me tell you what it said. Dear Simon, thank you for your letter and your invitation. We regret to inform you that Her Majesty will be unable to attend the Exeter University Christian Union carol service. <laughs> Man's got to try. <laughs> then some warm words, uh, wishing us well for the occasion. And it was then signed off by, on behalf of the Queen by the chief clerk. It was a no. It was a no. But we were delighted to receive our no on royal letter-headed paper. And we had just received correspondence from the Queen. I proudly displayed this letter at the Christian Union and showed all of my friends. My non-Christian housemates were a bit bemused by the whole thing. Now, I'm sure you'll have your own recollections, memories of occasions, of moments in the life of Queen Elizabeth. I don't know perhaps what immediately came to mind upon hearing the news last Thursday evening. And in different ways at the moment, we are going to be mourning as a nation, aren't we? We're going to be expressing our acknowledgement and our thanks. Paying our respects is the way that culture really likes to talk about it. And I think that's just good and right. Now, you've had a chance this morning to greet your neighbor and to say hello to those around you. I wonder, would you be able to do this for me? I think it would be really appropriate. Would you be able to take a few moments now and talk to one another and mention a particular aspect of her life, her service, her character, that you're just grateful for, or that you admired, or that you appreciated? Would you be able to take a moment and do that for us? Now, folks watching with us online, you could do that at home with those you're watching with, or perhaps write something into the chat. I think that would just be a great way for us here and now to pay our respects. Would you be able to do that for me? Go for it.
Okay, folks, let's come back together. Well done. That was a great uh, murmur of uh, appreciation and gratefulness. Stick a bookmark in those conversations and continue them over tea and coffee. Now, I do know that at least one lady in the congregation has met the Queen. There may be, uh, there may be more, too, but it'd be great to find out about uh, those kind of things over tea and coffee together. Well, if you haven't uh, already seen, uh, members of the establishment were out and about on, on Friday uh, giving vignettes and stories of their own recollections meeting the Queen. I don't want to recount any of them now, but I do want to say, if you've yet to see former Prime Minister Theresa May's anecdote regarding cheese at the Royal Picnic, you must see it. It's an absolute gem. Well, let's uh, move back and, uh, and to our passage. And I think what Her Majesty would have us, or more importantly, who Her Majesty would have us focus upon uh, this morning. Mark Green writes this. He is the author of a book called uh, The Queen's Way. He writes, almost every time the Queen speaks about her faith, she relates it directly to Jesus. And she's effusive in her appreciation. He is the bedrock of my faith, an inspiration and an anchor in my life and the compelling example. The teachings of Christ have served as my inner light. Well, it's just plain true. When it comes to the queen's own faith, she's crystal clear about Jesus. There's nothing abstract or vague or wishy-washy about the faith of the queen. Her faith has substance and content. It centers on the person of Jesus. When her majesty spoke about God, she spoke about Jesus. So we could do no better than talking about him this morning. And in fact, that links so very clearly with our passage this morning. It gets us, in fact, to the very heart of the gospel, To know Jesus is to know God. To know the Son is to know the Father. To see Jesus is to see God. To see the Son is to see the Father. Jesus fully and completely reveals the heart of God. I take it that's what he means when he says, If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Well, this morning, we are restarting our journey meeting Jesus in the pages of John's Gospel. Let me refresh our memories about this book. We have gone through chapters 1 and the majority of chapter 2. This book is a book bursting with Jesus. He is the one and only Son who's come from the Father, chapter 1, verse 18. He's full of grace and of truth, chapter 1, verse 14. And from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace, chapter 1, verse 16. This is a book that's bursting to the full with Jesus. In fact, the first sign that we see Jesus do in this book is to turn a huge amount of water into very good wine. 
Now, in the coming weeks, you're going to be taking a look at chapters 3 and 4 in John's Gospel. In those, Jesus describes the Spirit in abundant, full terms. This is the Spirit who's given without measure. Chapter 3, verse 34. And Jesus is the one who gives living water, a spring gushing up to eternal life. Chapter 4, verse 14. And that's just the first few chapters of the book. Jesus brings life, joy, abundance, and this book reminds us of it. In fact, the closing words of the book just acknowledge how full to bursting it really is. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would have been written. He certainly brings abundance and life. But at times of loss, sadness, when your sense of permanence is gone, you don't necessarily need abundance this morning. You need depth. And I think depth is an appropriate description for the faith of Queen Elizabeth II. She knew Jesus, and she knew him as the one who is faithful, immovable, steadfast, that he, Jesus, held an unshakable kingdom. And there were many, many times and occasions in which her own kingdom, her own personal family, things looked bleak, shaky, and tough, to put it mildly. It's only a deep and deepening love for Jesus that can testify to him as she does. What does she refer to him as? Bedrock. Anchor. Those are phrases that evoke depth, a deep and abiding faith. I think our passage this morning wonderfully displays the bedrock for deep faith. And it rests not upon Queen Elizabeth II, but upon Jesus and his passion. I have one sentence for us this morning, one summary of the text, John 14, verse 1 to 7. I think it's this. Jesus' passion for his father's house and your place in it. Recall those verses that we just read. Just prior to them, Jesus has washed his disciples' feet and he's spoken of what lay ahead of him. Betrayal, being disowned, condemned and crucified. Yet in that moment, where really the troubling things are ahead for Jesus, in that moment, his full attention is on his troubled and anxious disciples. And he urges them to renew trust and faith in him. At times of sadness, loss, when your sense of permanence has just gone, he urges you to believe more, not believe less. He urges you to go deeper, to go further up and further in. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Let's do more believing in Jesus today. And so what he urges them to is going to have an impact in the here and now. He's urging them to faith now. 
Only faith now is going to bring that heart stability when the world is anything but stable. And we've seen and had exemplified for us what faith now had looked like for Queen Elizabeth II in her fondness for this uh, particular poem. And I'm reading it from uh, The Servant Queen, uh, a book uh, about the Christian life of Her Majesty. She exemplified for us what faith now looked like when she said the following. A poem quoted by her father, King George VI, on his Christmas Day broadcast, 1939. I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he replied, go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That shall be to you better than light and safer than a known way. It is great, with great, uh, um, uh, I guess, uh, fortuitousness that uh, Nick, in designing our images for our Come and See series, has this great one in the background of, of Jesus with hand outstretched for Come and See. We know that when she spoke of faith now, the hand into which she was putting hers was the hand of God, the hand of Jesus. So we're called to faith now, but also to faith and hope in a solid, unshakable future. That's what I take the rest of our passage to be about. Jesus speaking of his father's house, not of an earthly place of worship, but of a heavenly one. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Well, I don't know about you, but it's very easy not to think about eternity. There is an awful lot to worry about in, in this life. There is plenty going on uh, for us in the here and now. Perhaps especially if you're young, fit, and healthy. It's easy just not to think about eternity forever. Here's an example for you. Uh, my grandfather passed, and uh, me and my mum and my dad were all at the pub. And uh, we talk. I've recently become a Christian, and we're talking about eternal life. Uh, mum had asked, do you believe in eternal life? My answer was yes, and so I asked her the same, same question. She said, she said yes. Uh, Dad's at the table as well, and then Dad said, asked Dad the same question. Dad said, no. The startling thing wasn't either of those answers. The startling thing was that they then looked at each other and said, oh, I didn't know you thought that. It's really easy to go an awful long time without thinking about eternity. But I'm assured in the life of Queen Elizabeth II, we've seen someone who knew that they had a place for them in the father's house. 
Queen Elizabeth was confident that there was a place for her in the Father's house in her Christmas broadcast 2016. And we're hearing a lot about these Christmas broadcasts, aren't we? She wrote these. She wrote these herself. That's why we're talking about them. They're like little epistles, 750-word epistles that come to her, came to us year by year. They really are from her pen, not the pen of a speechwriter. She wrote, she said this to us. Jesus Christ lived obscurely for most of his life and never traveled far. He was maligned and rejected by many, though he'd done no wrong. And yet billions of people now follow his teaching and find in him the guiding light for their lives. I am one of them. She had many, many titles and many, many honours. We'd take about half an hour just to list them all. But above all of them was a really simple one, expressed when she says, I am one of them, a follower of Jesus. Queen Elizabeth II knew that Jesus had a passion for his father's house and her place in it. Now let me take you back to the text I was meant to be preaching today, which was John chapter 2. In it, the disciples remember something from the ancient scriptures. They remember a verse from Psalm 69 as they're watching Jesus zealously clear the temple out of his passion for his father's house. They remember this about Jesus. Zeal for your house will consume me. And the disciples, like they do on so many occasions, say, some, say something far greater than they truly knew. For Jesus' passion, his zeal for the, his father's house, and your place in it would lead him somewhere very particular. It would lead him to the cross. Zeal for his father's house would consume him. Zeal for your place in the Father's house would consume him. It would lead Jesus to the cross. And we come in a few moments' time to communion where we remember that more clearly still. Queen Elizabeth was happy to say, I am one of them. If that's you this morning, then there's a place at this communion table for you. Please do join us as we remember the Lord Jesus in bread and wine. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your passion for us. We thank you to the extent of your love that we see in the cross. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you reveal the Father to us, that you offer us uh, faith in the here and now that steadies our troubled hearts, and, Lord, that you offer us an eternal home uh, with you uh, forever. So, Lord, uh, by your Spirit, please help us. Help us to navigate uh, life in the here and now with you, and prepare us, please, for life with you forever. In your own name, amen.